and Tuesday was the Home Missions Conference at Buckley Road Baptist Church in uh, Liverpool, that Syracuse area, New York. And uh, we had the privilege uh, of being there and uh, being a part. Uh, Julia and the girls did a little special music on uh, Tuesday morning. And, and uh, also the main purpose of the meeting is uh, as a group of preachers, we meet 8 to 10, 11 times a year. Uh, depends, sometimes twice a month when we have enough churches and we always meet at a new or struggling work. And the meeting at Buckley Road once a year is for the uh, churches to come together and just kind of try to raise money for other churches. And so uh, we were able to take part in that. Uh, Brother Davis uh, was trying to raise about $1,500 to finish the duck work and things in the basement, and uh, we gave 500 to that direction. And um, Brother Sandy was there, was able to meet with him, and... Uh, we were able to give a good gift. Uh, actually, I'm trying to remember everything. Uh, we gave him about $500. What we did was just try to meet the needs that were presented at the meetings. And uh, uh, it was a uh, blessed time and praise the Lord. Because of faithful giving, the money was there to help these other churches. This is just a very small version of what goes on at Heartland in January. And anyone that wants to go to the Heartland meeting, uh, you have to be careful. Uh, only bring X amount of dollars and don't stop by the ATM. You'll give away everything you have. Uh, it is just an incredible meeting. And, uh, but our church has a responsibility to help other churches. And uh, because of the faithful giving of our people, we're able to do that. And that's, that's what churches are supposed to do. And uh, our church was able to be an encouragement to several pastors there and, and help them out. And uh, so I want you just to keep those things in prayer. God is still starting churches. It's not over yet. Uh, some people like to preach on these churches being church ages, and they all want to say, we're in the Laodicean church age. The church is lukewarm. It makes God sick. And, and, and there's nothing going on. And I beg to differ with that. There are some things going on. It will never be as much as we want it to be. Because we would want the whole world to be saved. Amen. And the Bible tells us clearly that's not going to happen. In, in fact... Um, I heard a preacher preaching on the church at Philadelphia, where we're going to be in just a few minutes, and he was trying to say, it's not as easy to start a church today as it was years ago. Only Jesus can open the door. And I'm thinking, I'm glad none of my people came because we just preached on that. There's never been a time in church history where anyone but Jesus could open the door for a church to exist. Amen? Uh, that has been the way since day one. That's why we say these letters are indicative or there's application. There are lessons for all the churches. And yes, some churches get a lot more done than other churches do. But this church at Philadelphia was a special church. It and the church of Sardis were the only ones that received no condemnation from the master from the Savior, from the head 
of the church. And let's just go ahead and read these verses, starting in verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly, hold fast, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Now, the letter to the church of Philadelphia uh, is not the longest church, longest letter by any stretch of the imagination. It's, uh, but Jesus introduces himself more ways to the church of Philadelphia. And when we get to the rewards there at the end, there are more rewards offered than to any of the other churches. And yet, is there any... Christian that is going to have his or her name blotted out of the Lamb's book of life? Is there any person who's going to get saved and lose their salvation? Absolutely not. Amen? Are there Christians who are not going to walk in white if they have served God faithfully? No, that's talking about all Christians, all, all these churches here, and the things that are being spoken about here to the church of Philadelphia, in like kind, apply to the other churches. And, and we're going to try to do this. Uh, this letter goes more directions and connects with more things than all the other letters put together. Because the true church of Jesus never has had great strength. It's always been a persecuted church. It has always been a despised church. And these are the characteristics of this church. And uh, people want to make a big deal about the key of David. And what we're talking about here is Jesus, as the head of the church, is also the son of David, the ruler of this world. As the ruler of this world, he is not going to allow the present usurper of authority, otherwise known as the prince of the power of the air, the devil, our, our deceitful uh, foe. He is not going to allow him to destroy or overcome his church. But let me tell you something. It is Jesus is the one who is going to do the work. 
we, I've often put it this way. When's the last time you did something that God was proud of? When was the last time you did something for God without Him doing it through you? I mean, you've answered that question. That's not possible. If it were possible for you to do enough good works to please God, then why did Jesus die on the cross? And as he says, he says, listen, uh, there are several beholds here. And of course, we could just align this around the word behold. He says, I want you to look at something. I want you to study something. I want you to spend some time contemplating and meditating about this thing in the Scripture. Scriptural meditation is thinking about something God said. Unscriptural meditation is trying to empty yourself or contemplating what man has said. And uh, I met a Buddhist, I think I've used this example several times, and he says, I can do something you can't do. He says, I can think about absolutely nothing. And, uh, of course, can I put my little joke in there? I took one look at him and I said, you ought to be good at that. Amen. He said, but you can't empty your brain of every thought. And I said, I have no desire to do that. The devil already has enough room to play with. I want to fill it full of Bible so he doesn't have a chance to get in. Amen. This is Bible. When the Jesus uses that word, behold... He wants you to look at this thing. He wants you to study it. He wants you to think about it. He wants you to contemplate. Uh, The Bible word is meditate upon that thing. Uh, Understand that it is Jesus that opens the doors. That's why that verse is printed on the front doors out there. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. Would any human being claim that it was his goodness or his ability that allowed our church to be in existence? I mean, I, as your pastor, have been trumpeting this for ever since we've been a church. Jesus did something here only he can take credit for. Amen? I mean, raising $600,000 in a little over three and a half, four years, I think that qualifies for a miracle, don't you? Uh, I think that qualifies for an open door, and that's what we prayed about ever since day one, that Jesus would open the door because most of the churches here in our area are not strong churches. Those of you that had the opportunity to visit Southwest or be a member there as a student of Heartland, Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, let me tell you something, that is not a church that has a little strength. Uh, That is an incredible church to behold. And uh, boy, during graduation week, the song services. I mean, they just, you just want to, you, you think, boy, heaven can't be much better than this, but I know it will be. But in human experience, just listening to those thousands of voices and just echoing back and forth and singing the grand old hymns of the faith and, and uh, just hearing the joy and all of that, there are different churches. My prayer was, Lord, if we're going to, if we're going to exist, you're going to have to open the doors. And Jesus said to this church, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it. Jesus said, listen, I'm he that hath the key of David. I have 
spiritual dominion. I have political dominion. I am the true ruler of this world. And there's nobody going to oppose me in my plan. Does that mean that our church hasn't been without struggle? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Our church has had many struggles. Many financial struggles. Many spiritual struggles. There have even been some emotional struggles around here. Uh, You know why? Because there are people. And people hurt in different ways. But it is Jesus that has opened the door. And one thing that we need to remember as members of this church... I'm not going to ask the question for you to raise your hands, and I don't want anybody to raise their hands, but I'll guarantee every one of us in this room, myself included, have been discouraged at one time or another as we see what is happening in our church. Or maybe someone's rubbed you the wrong way, or maybe something has happened that that just did not move you forward in your relationship with God. You need to remember something. It wasn't that person that opened the door for our church to exist. It was Jesus Christ. And we better keep walking. Because he's not shutting the door. Now that doesn't mean people aren't going to try to shut the door. And there have been people that have tried to shut the door of our church. And we could go into the stories. How many of you remember uh, someone called Child Protective Services years ago and And accused me of all kinds of things. You know, that had the potential closing the doors of this church. What did we do? As a church, we prayed. Remember that? And God answered those prayers. But what would have happened if we decided not to pray? What would have happened if we got discouraged and just quit and closed the doors and walked away? No church fails because Jesus wants it to fail. As long as it's preaching the right things. A church fails because the people in it give up on God. And that's about the dumbest thing I could imagine a human being trying to do. Because God never gives up on us. Amen? I mean, this is what we're looking for. And we have to be reminded constantly. It is not your strength. It is not my strength. It is not our endurance. It is not just the simple fact that we know what we're doing. Boy, anytime I've heard this from some great preachers, well... You know, we've been doing this so long, we got this down to kind of a science. Oh, wow. That scares me whenever I hear anybody say that. Thou hast a little strength. We haven't figured out what to do. Because it's not our figuring that tells us to get the gospel out to our area. Now, listen... We don't have every opportunity that you do in other places. You can knock on the door all day and only get arrested. Uh, But you can meet those same people at the subway station and pass out 1,000 tracks in the morning. Which one's more productive? Well, pass out the tracks. But preacher, have you ever looked in the garbage cans? 
Yeah. Well, why do we do it? Because we're taking away people's excuses. That's why. Don't get discouraged. It is Jesus that opened the door. It is not our strength. It is not our wisdom. It is not our power. It is His. There's nothing in this church in Philadelphia that would engender hope that great things were going to happen here. But wait till we get to the reward column. There's some incredible promises to these people. It doesn't take a lot of strength to walk through an open door, now does it? Amen? Amen. Especially when Jesus is holding it open. But could we be faithful enough to walk through the door? That's what the church of Philadelphia did. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. And we come down here. It says, no man can shut this door, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now, could we talk about keeping the word and not denying his name for a few minutes? I mean, this is what this church did. Keeping his word is nothing extraordinary. They didn't have attending phenomena at the church at Philadelphia. Uh, They didn't have thousands of people lining up outside trying to get into the church to get saved. What they had was a little group of people that just did what the Bible said. That's what keeping his word is all about. Amen. By the way, how do we keep his word? If he what? Love me. Keep my commandments. You know, we could solve every problem our church faces by just loving Jesus a little more. Why is it so quiet? Is it a hard thing to love Jesus? Ought not to be if you're saved, amen? Listen, this church at Philadelphia, they just kept his word. They just did what Jesus said. You wonder why we put so much effort to put a baptistry in? Because we'd like to keep his word and do it a little nicer than a horse trough. Amen. I mean, it filled its position for 10 years, 12 years, uh, 15 years. Uh, no, eight, eight, yeah, something like that. Well, we had that horse trough for about 15 years. And before that, we had another one that was much worse. Uh, you had to sit down on a little stool and kind of bend over to get you all under the water. Some people don't remember that one. Uh, we use it for mixing concrete now, but uh, um, it was hard to baptize in that one. And before that, we would drive over to Woodhaven, which is... Uh, way down in Jamaica, off uh, Jamaica Avenue, and borrow another church's baptistry. And and uh, but I'll tell you what, I I like what we have back here. And uh, we've already christened it a couple of times, but uh, we need to start praying. Uh, we had somebody trust the Lord, but there were some issues that we got to wait on baptism. Uh, 
We need to get some people saved and get them baptized. Amen? That's keeping His Word. That's what it simply is. And if we'll focus on what God wants us to focus on, some of these other things that are irritating and problematic will not be so. Amen? Boy, you got to pull them out tonight. Jesus said, listen, thou hast a little strength, but I've given you that open door. Let me tell you something. Those doors will stay open as long as we keep his word. When we stop keeping his word, those doors will close. I promise you. And by the way, if you really love Jesus, wouldn't you want that to happen? If there's not people getting saved in here, if there's not the truth going forth, I don't want those doors open. We want the doors open because of what Jesus has done, not because some rich person died and left us an endowment that pays for everything, which is the reason many churches in New York City are open today. They're working off their savings account. Let's not be like that. You know what happens? You give, and we pay the bills, and we give the rest of the way. Um, and that's what we ought to be doing, amen? And I, I'm glad that we were able to help uh, several different church planners, and we got a fellow named Brother Harmon who is trying to start a church out in the Riverhead area. When you go out in Long Island, we've got one church in Elmont that we could recommend, another one in Franklin Square, and then you got to go basically the whole way out to Shirley, Mastic Beach, that area out there, and then there's nothing past them. On the North Shore of Long Island, there is nothing that we could recommend without reservations from actually from Flushing all the way to Orient Point. That's got to change, my friend. We need to pray about that. But, thou hast kept my word and thou hast not denied my name. I was talking with Brother Newberger. Do you realize that our church is poised within the next five to seven years to have three brand new churches planted inside the New York City limits? Could you imagine such a thing three years ago? Uh, who's opening the door? Jesus is. Who has a little strength? We do. How do we keep that little strength? By keeping his word and by not denying his name. How many of you remember the lesson on prayer? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Now, you can talk about Jesus all you want. But if you do not live the way Jesus wants you to live, are you not denying his name? When you tell people that you are saved and you do not back that up with the way you live, 
You're bringing reproach upon the name of Christ, are you not? When you tell people you are saved, you tell people you believe the truth and then stand on the platform with the Catholic priest and hold hands because uh, we're against abortion. Have you denied the name of our Savior? Let me tell you, you have. I mean, I'm against a lot of things. Just ask me. We don't have time to name them all. Amen? My standard answer, Pastor, what do you think? No. I mean, I'm good at it. I have 12 kids. I practice a lot. They'll walk up to me. Dad, no. But you didn't even hear it. Okay, let me hear it. No. And walk away. Why? Because we don't want to deny his name. We do not want to leave his word unkept. Now this isn't what we should say exciting preaching. Because it's something you have to do every day, amen? It's something you have to work at one little bit at a time. I, I like Brother Brad Wells' story of traveling in the jungle in Papua New Guinea, and I hope that's all the closer I ever get to it, is just hearing his story. Uh, no desire to go to that place and see all them creepy bugs and up close and poisonal. But uh, he says when, you, when you're there, he says you're up on the mountain, he says, and you can see where you're going. He says, but then you start down the trail. And pretty soon the jungle canopy grows overhead. And then it adds another layer and another layer until you're walking in the heat of the day. And you can't see the sun. You can't see any markers. He says, it's so dark in there, all you can see is just a few feet in front of you. And he said, if you were to lose your bearings, if you were to get off of the trail, he said, you would never, ever be found again. He said, but you stay on the trail. He said, and just about the time you give up thinking that you're never going to get there, he said, you come out, you start going up again and come out of the clearing and there's where you can see where you were going. And sometimes that's the way the Lord has us. When you're down in the valley, when you're walking through that multi-layered jungle, it gets scary down there. It gets fearful. You get discouraged. You get thinking that somehow God has forgotten you. I mean, we're going to get here in a minute. Thou hast kept the reward. Thou hast kept the word of my patience. You know what that means. Uh, Brother Jason, uh, you want to check there. It looks like we're having a... Something go on out there. Thank you. Um, he says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now look at verse 9. It's a strange verse here, and I think we can simplify it. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I 
have loved thee. Have you ever been despised by a religious, quote-unquote, Christian who looks down on you and just says, you know, I used to believe like that when I was ignorant, but now that I'm educated, I have nothing to do with fools like you. That has happened to me several times. And how many times have we had people come in and take a look around and they say, where's, where's all the statues and where's all the beautiful things? Why haven't you taken them filthy stars out of the windows? And uh, said, so that's the way you feel about it. There's the door, man. He said, our church isn't about that stuff. We're not into symbolism. That's all some religions have. He said, we're into the reality of the word of God around here. He's going to bring them highfalutin, proud, arrogant, ignorant religious people. He's going to say, grovel at these country hicks feet for a while. Because I'm going to show you that I love them. Because they had a little strength. Because they kept my word. Because they didn't deny my name. By the way, you can be a hick and live in the city too. Amen. We're not out here promoting uneducation or ignorance by any stretch of the imagination. You will learn and study more Bible by attending the services of this church right here than you can find just about anywhere else. I mean, Bible college only lasts for four years. Uh, we've been doing it for 19, and by God's grace, we're going to keep doing it for another 19. You will learn God's Word here in a way you cannot do anywhere else. That's why Jesus started His church. Amen? And so, He's going to bring these proud religious leaders. You think of what went on in the Middle Ages as those... Catholic priests stood there in their robes and their finery and condemned people to death. Their only sin was wanting to believe Jesus as their personal Savior without having that priest talk to God for them. Can you imagine the arrogance of someone who would interpose themselves between you and God and then murder you because you refuse to agree with them. Let me tell you, that's the history of the Middle Ages in Europe. Wait till you see that Pope put his face in the dirt and hear Jesus say, I love the ignorant and the poor because they weren't trusting in themselves. They, they just kept my word. They didn't deny my name. They realized it was not their strength. They didn't rely on armies. No Baptist church that's ever a true Baptist church has ever raised an army to do anything. Because that's not the weapons of our warfare. Amen? 
And we look at this church. And Jesus is giving them a promise. He says, don't you get discouraged when people look down on you, those people that say they are the true believers. And by the way, when it simply says, capital J-E-W-S, it's talking about the religious leaders of the Jews. It's talking about those who claim that they know God in a very special way. The Pope claims to be the vicar of Christ on earth. The name of his mission at the United Nations is the mission of the Holy See, capital S-E-E, a name of divinity to the United Nations. He says, I am God coming to the United Nations in the title of his name. That's what they believe. Jesus says, and he told the church at Sardis the same thing. You see, it's not talking about just espousing Judaism here. But it was historically the Jews who had the connection to God. Amen. They were the ones that brought the commandments. Moses was a Jew. All of the prophets were Jews. All of the writers of our New Testament were Jews. Someone said Luke was a Gentile. Prove it. You can't prove that. He had a Gentile name. But how many Jews had ten Gentile names? How about Titus? How about Timothy? How about Philemon? Amen? I mean, those were Gentile names. And some of those men were Gentiles. But they were still believers in Jesus Christ. And preachers of his word. And so, we get down to verse 10 and it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience... I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. How do we keep the word of his patience? That's doing what Jesus said until Jesus is done with us doing it. Running the race with patience, amen? Patience means you just keep at it. Don't ever get discouraged handing out gospel tracts. Just keep doing it. Don't get discouraged. You have family members that don't believe. Give them scripture. If you can't quote it to them, read it to them. If they won't let you read it to them, get tracts and just leave them around. Let them read them. Just keep giving them God's word. And you keep doing God's word. By the way, what does the Bible say? It tells us to love our enemies. And we already love our friends. So maybe if we showed a little more love to those people who are around us that we wanted to get saved, they might listen a little closer. Amen? We've got to just continue to keep his word. He said, because you've kept the word of my patience. Now, this verse here, verse 10, is in direct contrast. Let's go over to, to, um, let me get my glasses back on here. Verse 22 of chapter 2. He's talking about Jezebel here. 
He says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Now, this is one of the reasons why we believe that these letters are to real churches, but they have application to all ages. It's not the church that's going into the tribulation. It's Jezebel and her consorts. Where are they found? Well, they're found in the church, but Jesus never counts them as part of his church because you got to be scripturally saved in order to be part of a church. Amen? Jezebel and her consorts are not saved. They are just feigning salvation. And they are in the church, operating in the church. Their only purpose is to pollute and pervert everything that is in there. And by the way, that is going on and has gone on ever since there's been a church. Why did Paul write a letter to the Thessalonians? Because somebody wrote a letter, signed Paul's name to it, said Jesus has come already and you guys got left behind. That'd shake a few Christians up now, wouldn't it? And Paul writes back and says, I didn't write that letter. You go out and find those people that are discouraged by that and bring them back and tell them the truth. Listen. It's not you that save yourself. It's not you that can live for Jesus. And it's not us that makes Open Door Bible Baptist Church go. It is Jesus in us that makes it go. And when we get our eyes off ourselves and put them on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a promise that he is going to keep us from that time that is going to try the entire earth. He is going to protect us from that. And verse 11 says, Behold, I come quickly. Now, that is not talking about in just a few years after this verse was written because these verses were written almost 2,000 years ago. Over 1,900 years ago, these verses were written. It's talking about when he comes, it's going to be so fast. You're not going to have time to erase the history on your browser, on your computer. When he comes, it's going to be so fast. You won't have time to pray and say, Now, dear Lord, forgive me for my uh, aggravation and my discouragement and, and my anger at other people. You're not going to have time to do any of those things. When he comes, it's going to be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It's the amount of time that it takes light to reflect off of the human, uh, human cornea. That is a twinkling of an eye. And light travels at 186,000 miles per second. So how long does it take light to reflect off your cornea? Well, I don't care how far away that light is. It doesn't take very long now, does it? That's what Jesus means when he says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast, which... Thou hast. 
This is his command to his church. He said, you just kept my word. You haven't denied my name. Keep doing it. Don't give up. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you just said, I can't endure anymore. I just give up only to find out if you had waited another five minutes. If you had just been faithful another day, things would have been completely different. Has anybody else ever done that? We all have at one time. You know, these semester, when people drop out of college the most, it's the last one. How many CPAs do you know that have done everything but take the test? Well, they're really not CPAs. They're just PAs then, public accountants. Because you have to take the test to be a CPA. How many lawyers do you know that just haven't taken the bar? Well, you're not really a lawyer if you haven't taken the bar, but there are so many people that just went to that last bit and quit. Jesus said, hold that fast which thou hast. He said, no man can shut the door. No man can close the door of service to me. No man can keep can get up and make that church go out of existence because the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. But people can steal your rewards if you let them. People can steal your joy if you let them. People can take away rewards that you deserve to enjoy for all eternity because you took your eyes off Christ and you put them on that person. Let me ask you a question. Is it worth it? I don't think so. I don't think there's any human being in the world that's worth losing one reward in heaven over. Do you? That's what he's saying here. He's saying, hold fast. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. It's not talking about your salvation. The crowns are the rewards. When we get to Revelation chapters 4 and 5, they're going to cast those crowns at his feet. Amen? There's going to be somebody standing there that doesn't have anything to cast. Because they let someone steal their rewards. That's what this verse says now, doesn't it? If you don't hold it fast. There's people out there that want to rob you of that which is most valuable. How many times have you given up something worthless or actually given up something valuable to only to gain something worthless. Let me tell you, it happens to many young ladies every night in this filthy city in which we live. They give up that which is most valuable and gain nothing. Why? Because their eyes aren't on Christ. They're not keeping His word. They're denying his name. And they trade in that which is most valuable for something which is absolutely worthless. How many churches have done the same thing? I mean, I could fill this building up full of men every service. All we got to do is give away free beer. Wouldn't that work? Probably not. Because nobody believe it. But listen, it wouldn't be a church anymore. 
And I don't know of any Baptist preacher that's given away free beer. But I do know preachers that have gone out and hired poor excuses for worldly rock bands so that they could entice people to come to church and groove to Jesus. I met a preacher one time. He said, what do you think about dancing for Jesus? He was from Africa. And I said, I just got one question for you. If I came into your church and saw you dancing for Jesus, would I be drawn closer to Jesus or would I think you're having a good time? And all, I mean, only as an African can smile. I mean, that went ear to ear. Oh, you think we having good time, preacher? I said, well, if that's what's going on, you know it's not of God now, don't you? He got pretty serious real quick. Wasn't quite expecting that answer. But it's nothing new here. It says, hold that fast which thou hast. You already have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. How do we get that? Through the knowledge of him. Amen. How do we know more about Jesus? We study what is already written down. Don't get somebody's commentary or new book on it. Read God's book on it. Read the Bible. Now look at the rewards. I I think we can finish this tonight. He says, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Do you know what a pillar is? It's something that holds something up. Isn't that a good description of the Christian life? A pillar of the truth? In fact... Uh, I think Paul said something about that to Timothy, that the church was the ground and pillar of the truth. How would you like the job of holding up the name of Jesus? That's what happens in the temple. It's the worship of God. Why do you get to hold up Jesus' name through all eternity? Because you didn't deny it while you were here on earth and you just kept his word and you didn't rely on your strength. You relied on his because he's the one that opened the door. Doesn't this get you just a little bit? Yes, sir. How many of you would like to be have that job? Yes, sir. Holding up the worship of God for all eternity. You don't have to be strong. We don't have to have a Southwest Baptist Church in New York City. I like to visit there. But I don't get to preach there. I get to preach here. So I love being here. Amen. But this weak church, he says, I'm going to make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no more out. How many times have you ever thought privately, just wish I could stay in bed till Jesus comes. He's going to put you in the temple. And you're never going to be distracted. You're never going to have your mind stray from worshiping God. That's where I want to be. Just stick me right in there. Cement my feet to the floor and put a heavy load on top so I don't move. Let me just hold up the worship of God. Never have to say, Lord, forgive me. I didn't discipline my mind today the way I should. Because I'm a pillar in the temple. How about that? 
How many want to try out for that job? I'll get busy. His strength. Keep his word. Don't deny his name. Amen? And it says, I will write upon him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. That's an awful lot of writing. Amen? Why do we put names on things? Because we want to identify them, right? How many of you have bins at work where they sort everything? We just, finally, this summer, we got bins. And uh, Stephen has been down there sorting screws and bits of pipe and fittings and little things of this and little things of that and putting them all in the different... We write our name on them so that we can identify them. I am going to write my name on my stapler and my tape. If I ever need my stapler and my tape, I have to go looking for it. Somebody has it. But Dad, I had to do the bulletin board. We needed that in Sunday school. Well, I know you needed it for the toddler's church. But go get your own tape, please. Leave mine alone. Why is Jesus writing all these names on us? Well, don't you remember what happened to these people in life while they were living here on earth when those that walked around saying they were Christians and despising them? Nobody's going to question their Christianity. It's written all over them. Amen? They're stuck in the temple. They're holding up. Uh, God's worship for all eternity. These people are identified. Amen. By the way, that's what baptism is. Right. It's identification with Jesus. How many remember when you got baptized? Wasn't that a wonderful day? I've had people say, Pastor, I just wish I could get baptized every day. Well, this is about as close as you're going to get. You're going to be identified with Christ every day for all eternity. He's got his name written on you. He's got his father's name written on you. And in case anybody has any questions in care of the holy new Jerusalem, I mean, you are, you are identified. And you are permanently part of God's worship. How many of you have ever experienced that joy of just scraping the surface of true worship of God in your heart and in your soul? Amen. It's a wonderful thing. Amen. Yes, you know what happens? It draws you closer to God and it draws you closer to everybody around you. And if it doesn't, it's just some emotional experience. It has nothing to do with worship. Because if I love God, I'll keep His commandments. And how do I know that I love the children of God? By keeping His commandments. Because as I love God, I have to love others. You got somebody you don't love? Start loving God a little more. Get your attention off of them. Put it on God. He'll take care of that.
You got somebody you want to drive crazy? Just love God enough that they feel a little bit of it coming their way and you will scare them to death. Isn't that true? I remember working at a place, and I, I had an, and when I was a Bible college student, I did not know this. I had a nurse that just hated the sight of me. And she tried for the two years that I worked there, write me up every opportunity she, she could. She was just doing everything possible. And finally, one night, uh, I, I did something that was against company policy. It wasn't wrong. Uh, we had some kids smoking pot in the parking lot, and I called the police and went out there and uh, chased them off the parking lot. You can't do that. You could get hurt and sue us. And oh, Okay, okay, well, I'm sorry. I got in trouble for that. See, I've been mean for a long time. But um, you know what happened? Every opportunity I had, I witnessed to that person, and I cared for that person. And it just literally drove them mad. And two or three weeks before I moved to another job, they, they moved, quit because they couldn't stand it anymore. Let me tell you something. You just love God, and it's His strength, not yours. You just keep keeping His word, and He's going to keep the door open. Amen? You just don't deny His name. And he's going to reward you. You keep the word of his patience. You're not going through the tribulation. Now, by the way, if you name the name of Jesus, you will keep the word of his patience. How well is up to you. But if you hold fast, if you hold that which thou hold that fast, which thou hast. Got a problem saying that. I like the way it sounds, though. Don't let anybody steal your crown. I don't want to be on the outside of the temple looking in at those that are stuck in there. That's where I want to be. That's the promise to the Philadelphia church. Now, I know I've gone way over, but we need to put all this together in one lesson. We really did get it connected. How many of you want Open Door Bible Baptist Church to be a Philadelphia church? Amen? Well, I think you got the instructions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would allow our church to be patterned after this Philadelphia church. And Lord, uh, I believe as our history and what has happened in these last 19 years tells us that we truly have been patterned after this church. There's nothing anybody can say about our church that we have some great strength or great abilities. Lord, help us to be faithful to your word. Help us not to deny your name. Help us to keep that word of patience, your patience. Lord, help us to grab a hold and hold that fast. 
Never let go till you take us from this life to the next. Lord, never let us look for anything new. Let us grab a hold of what is already in our possession, your word. We ask that we would lift your name. And Lord, we ask that these promises to him that overcometh could be fulfilled in our lives. That you would count us worthy to identify us with you. No reason why you should, Lord. But it's your strength. It's your door. We ask you to work. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, maybe you'd like to just slip out of your seat and say,